Bible. There's some Bibles in the pew. If not, you just you can follow along. That's that's awesome too. Um, Jeremiah 29:11 says again, God gives us hope. He gives us future. But I want you to turn in your Bibles to First um, Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to pray. And some of you are like, Pastor man, you're like hyped up, and it's it is Jesus today. It's not too much coffee. I did have some coffee, but it's Jesus today. So I want to continue on with this walking through adversity. We we will walk through adversity when we live on this planet, right? What is adversity? Adversity is a tough time. It could be a, a financial thing. It could be a relational. It could be an, an illness. It could be, it could be uh, anything in this world. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give life and give it abundantly. And so a few weeks ago, we talked about Job. We, we talked about how he walked through adversity. We'll come back to him some more. But the adversity that, that Job faced, he had to just walk through it. He had to just sit and he called on the Lord and the Lord walked with him. The people questioned. He had questions. But this morning, I want to come to you from a different concept because sometimes when you go through adversity, you just have to go through it. And you just have to say, I can't do anything about it but trust in the Lord. But sometimes, not only do you trust in the Lord, but sometimes you have to fight for what God has called you to give to to the promises. And so I want to talk about this in a minute. I want to just throw a couple scriptures out. And the, the title of the sermon is Something is Missing. Something is Missing. Walking through adversity. Kind of there's this theme going on this morning about passion, about fire, the first love, and about sometimes the world will put your faith out if you and I don't have a strong faith. The enemy of our souls is trying to put out your faith by robbing from you, from discouraging you. Uh, Just the busyness of life, if you're not careful, the busyness of life will take your faith. Raising kids can take your faith. Your job can take your faith. Illnesses can take your faith. Struggles and adversity can take your faith. Or they can strengthen your faith. They can put your resolve and say, I'm going to trust in the Lord. So let me just throw some things at you real quick. Hebrews 11.6, I hope I have these. And if you can't read them, just write them down. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. God wants to reward you for seeking Him. 2 Corinthians 5.7, it says, We walk by faith, not by sight. And we live in a society that says, Show me and I'll believe. And God says, Believe me and I'll show you. We are obsessed. Even in the church, I will believe it when I see it. God says, No, you need to believe and then you'll see it. And you see, sometimes we're like, Pastor, I don't see what's going on. Well, you need to believe that God is going to do something in your life. Come on, amen? Hebrews 11.1, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And then Hebrews 11.30 says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. Now, I'm I'm going to transition here in a second, but I want to pray. But I want you to be ready, okay? Would you, would you again, just do this for me and for you? And if either open your Bible up in your hands like this or open your hands up like this, we're going to pray. Would you do that? Either, either open your Bible up or your palm device if you're open your Bible uh, or whatever and your hands. Let's just pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that you are the living word. You are, you are the living word. And you are the word of life. And so today we receive your life through the word, through the Holy Spirit, through whatever is said to us. We want to receive what you have for us, that we want to be strengthened in our faith and we want to fight for the promises you've given us. So I'm praying that as we walk through adversity, we learn from the word, we learn from the spirit today and we walk out of here victorious, not defeated. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. So now turn to in your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, 
And we're, we're talking about now David. David was anointed as the king, but before he became the king, he had to go through some adversity. Uh, Saul was the king. Saul was out trying to destroy David. He was jealous of David. So David was out doing God's work, and David was out raiding the enemy camps and fighting. So let me kind of just go now. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. If you have a Bible, follow along. Uh, David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziglag. Ziglag was where their camp was. They had attacked Ziglag and burned it and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old, and they killed none of them but carried them off as they went on their way. Verse 3, When David and his men came to Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept loud, aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Now let me stop there. Imagine this, okay? So imagine this. You're out serving the Lord. You're doing His work and you come back to your camp. And not only is your house or your tent burned, everyone's house or tent is burned and there's no sign of your, your, your family. There's no sign of, of your possessions. Everything's gone. How would, what would you react? They knew it was the enemy. They saw the signs. So they wept before the Lord. They wept. What do we do? Okay? Are you, are you following me? Would the, would this, is this adversity? Okay, so this is adversity. So here's, here's what happens. So David his men, verse 4, so, so David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Verse 5, of course, David, two wives had been captured, Ahinoam, Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. Verse 6, David was greatly distressed because, check this out, now the men were talking of stoning him. This is not stoning like in Colorado or in Oregon or Washington. This is like stoning him with rocks to kill him. Each one was bitter in spirit because his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. So here it is. Adversity struck, strikes the whole people. Everything's gone. It seems like they're destroyed. They're stolen. They're crying out. Then David is distressed because now the men are like you. This is your fault, David. We were serving the Lord and we were following you and look what happened. And you see, that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants you to turn against each other. He wants us to question what God is doing. He wants to, again, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I've come to give life. But here's what David did. David, it says, he strengthened himself, or he found strength in himself to the Lord. He said, I'm going to look to the Lord. And so I want to talk a little bit more this morning about your adversity and how your faith is. Do you find strength in the Lord or do you give up? Are you so enamored with possessions that when the possessions go away, your faith goes away? Or are you so secure in the Lord that even your possessions go, you're still serving the Lord? So let's talk about this. Because see, something's, something's amiss in this church. Something's amiss in the church in America. I'm concerned as the pastor because we're losing passion. We're letting the, the fear of the world, we're, we're letting the world consume us. That We're so consumed about what's happening outside the world that we're forgetting about our faith in God. There's a lack of passion in this church. There's a lack of passion in many churches in America because we are becoming obsessed with the things of the world and we're letting the world dictate our faith. Come on, amen. You, you cannot turn on the news and not see what the, the world is doing and they're telling us we can't serve God. We can't stand up for what is right. We can't talk about our faith in Jesus Christ. And we're like, okay, that's fine. And God is not calling us to live like that. God is saying to proclaim my gospel. And this morning, God has promised us, Jeremiah 29, 11. He has a plan. He has a hope. And some of you, you've given up on that plan. You've given up on that hope. And I want to walk with you through this for just a few minutes. Are you good? I know I'm talking fast. 
I'll slow down for a second, then I'll talk fast again. So if you're new with us, I apologize. Um, I will try to slow down enough, but I want to talk this morning and I want us to go through this. We'll, we'll catch up this a little bit more. So we must build our faith on God. We must keep our spiritual life and our passion strong because if we don't keep our spiritual passion and our spiritual life strong, when adversity comes, we are going to fail. And you see, too many of you, 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 you are not reading the Bible, you're not praying, you're not seeking God, and so when adversity comes, you can just be blown away. And God is calling you back to Him. He's calling, He I, I am your provider. I am your strength. I will give you ability. So here's the question for us, or here's a statement where your faith went. The first thing is this, I think the devil has took, taken your faith. You see, when... When the, David and his soldiers, his men, were out fighting, the enemy came in and took their possessions. So they came back and they were, they were weeping. It doesn't, this isn't like, oh, I'm so sad. I mean, this was wailing, sorrowful, crying on their face until they had no strength because their family and their possessions were gone. And if you've ever lost a loved one, I mean, I can understand that. I remember the, the account when, my, when I got the phone call that my dad had succumbed to cancer. I was just, I was shocked and I just began to wail. I I just fell on my knees and started crying out. And you see, until you've gone through that kind of adversity, this is what this is. This is like, they're wailing. So Galatians 5, and I know this is kind of long, Galatians 5, 6 through 10, it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith. Here's my main point. Faith expressing itself through love. Verse 7 is, You are running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? And so my question for us is, you've allowed something to cut into your faith. Paul is saying to them, you guys were given this faith and something, someone cut in on your faith. And you see some of us this morning in this room, you've allowed life circumstances, you've allowed something to cut in and rob your faith. And I want to challenge you, you need to fight for your faith. You need to fight for what God has called you to have. Come on, amen? And you see... Listen to me. In fact, let me just read this to you so I know I'm getting it right. Satan really doesn't care about your physical possessions. But if your faith is in your possessions or you're tied to your possessions, he is going to do all that he can to steal them, to rob them, to destroy them, so that when they leave, your faith in God is shaken. Think about this. You come home, your family's gone, your possessions are gone, all that you've worked for, all that you've saved, it's all gone now. So David and, and his men wept. And David's men are like, we're going to kill you now, David. What did David do? He strengthened himself in the Lord. You see, I hear a lot of talk, and I know I'm not God, I'm not, and I'm not the uh, doomsday prophet, but I mean, everyone's, oh, the government's going to fail, the economy's going to fail, you better buy gold. In fact, I was reading an email. Someone sent an email that I should buy gold. I was like, man, I'm a preacher, I can't buy gold. Who can afford buying? I, I got someone like I got gold stocked up. I got a M16. I got like I got a I got a chemical radiation suit. I'm ready for I'm ready for the apocalypse. I'm coming to your house too when the apocalypse comes. By the way, but my faith is in God. Now there's nothing wrong with being wise and setting part and and not getting over overextended and dead and all. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But again, who is your faith in? Is your faith in God or is it in the economy? Is your faith in God or is it in the government? Because those are going to fail. You hear me say a lot, governments come and go, but God never does come and go. 
And you see, Satan doesn't care about your possessions, but if your car, your home, your collections, your investments, your name brand clothes, if that's more important to you, Satan's going to come after those things. Because he knows if he can shake your faith by taking those or destroying them or messing them up, he knows that your faith is shallow. And you're going to question God. You're going to be angry at God. However, if your faith is based on God and not on physical blessings, He cannot take your faith. You see, the American culture says, get all that you can, gather all that you can, and and that's the sign of God's blessing on your life. But Paul said, I know what it is to have everything and I know what it is to not have everything. But basically, he said, God is my God. And you've got to be delivered from this false mentality that the, the, the sign of, a, of God's blessing is a bunch of possessions. And that sometimes is the sign of possessions. But remember in Job's case, all those possessions disappeared basically one day. Well, Pastor, I read the book and it all came back. That does happen sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't happen. But I'll, let me go on, okay? Is your faith in God... Or is your faith in Christ is because your, your possessions and your relationships are, 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 are knocked down. Your faith should be in God. Now, I'm not saying that those are not important things, but I'm saying that your faith should be in God. And you see, if Satan can have you live a lifeless faith because of your possessions being gone or your relationships being broken, then he's going to come after you all the time in those things. See, the enemy knew that, that, that they could hurt David and his armies because the, the, the David, the, David and his men were hurting the enemy. They are out there destroying and hurting the enemy. So the enemy says, you know what? We'll hurt David. We'll go to his camp. We'll destroy the camp. We'll take his possessions. We'll take their families. And we'll teach them. You see, the devil works like that in your life too. You're busy for God. You're serving. You're working hard at work. And the devil says, that's fine. I'm going to come in and take what's really important to them. Or attack what they think is really important. So where did your faith go? Is your faith in God or is it in stuff? Is your faith in God or is it in a person? And it's nice to have a a, a relationship. It's nice to have stuff. But our faith should be in God. Amen? The second part is this. Where did your faith go? Where, Where your faith went is life's trials have buried it. Life's trials has, have, have buried your faith. The busyness of life has buried. Do you remember that, that energy that you had when you first met Jesus? Do you remember that? Come on, amen, right? You remember, I, let me get put it. Remember, remember when you were dating? Remember that, all the joy? Like, oh, remember that before you got married? Somebody like, no, I don't remember that. Well, I, I, you know, I don't care. Remember that, your, your first serious boyfriend, your first serious girlfriend? Remember that? And you're like, oh, you know, I mean, now they text all the time. They Snapchat. And back in the day, it used to be like, I'll call, you know. No, it's late at night. You're like, I got to go. But no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Oh, so cute. Oh, you know. And then hearing their name, you're like, you would like float off the ground, you know, like the cartoons. You're like, oh, you know, you get all excited. And and then after a while, you know, and then like you get married, like, oh, hi, good morning, good morning. You know, I love you. I love you. It's good to see you. And, and then, you know, like sometimes you don't talk for days, you know, but you still love each other, right? But, but you see, sometimes in our faith, it's like that. It's like, you're all excited about Jesus. And, oh, it's Jesus. It's just the church. It's, yeah, you know. It's just, and so what happens is, 
the busyness of life. You see, in marriage, like also now you have to you have to be serious because you got to work, you have to pay bills, you have to raise kids, and and that's awesome and all that stuff. And then the, the just the demands of life can suck out your life. And it's the same thing with your faith. You see, do you remember when praying was a privilege and not a task? Do you remember that? Do you remember attending church was life? Was it was life? It wasn't like oh, I gotta I gotta take time out on Sunday to go to church. Oh goodness. Got to deal with Pastor Stan and his hyperness. Oh. Do you remember when sharing your faith was exciting? And now you're like, I don't have time to share my faith. And God says, no, that is what you're called to do. You see, some of us have, have let the demands of, of our job steal our faith. You see, it, again, in 1 Samuel 30, verse 4, it says, they wept until they had no strength. And you see, the trial had robbed them of their strength. And you see, if you're not careful, trials can rob you of your spiritual strength. Day-to-day life can rob you of your spiritual strength. And you have to fight for your strength. You have to fight for your promises. Come on, amen? You see, some of us have let the demands of raising our kids steal our faith. Some of us have let the trials of marriage and relationships steal our faith. Some of us have let every little bump in the road steal our faith. Some of you... You're in major crisis. You just go from one crisis to the next crisis and you're losing your faith. I want to challenge you to do what David did. David, the word says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. You see, you need to learn to be strengthened in the Lord, not give up. Come on, amen? So where else did your faith go? Where it went? Well, the, the third one is this. You have let it grow cold. You see, just like in a marriage and in a relationship, you have to keep talking. You have to keep, you have to keep working at it. It just doesn't just happen. And whenever I do marital count, premarital counseling with young people again, because I, I always say, why do you want to get married to each other? Oh, we just love each other. I said, that's awesome. But what happens in about 10 years? Oh, love will just keep us passionate. I said, that's good. That is awesome. But what do you do to keep that passion? Oh, we'll just, we'll just love. And I said, okay, that's good. But what's your plan to keep that love going? You have to plan. And you just you go through life and things kind of change, but you're still passionate in love. You see, it's the same thing in our lives. We have let our spiritual life grow cold. In fact, Jesus is calling out in the end times in the church, Revelation chapter 20, verses 2 through 5. He's calling out to the church. And let me just read this to you. Do I have it? I do. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. You have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. Verse 3, You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. You see, their, their work for God had become their passion. They lost their love for God. And that first love was gone. And God is calling to this church, Where's the first love that you had for me? Where's that passion? He's calling to you and I. Where's that passion, that first love? He's calling to the church in America. Where is that passion for for me, that first love? Where is it today? We've, We've allowed the world, we've allowed life, we've allowed it to grow cold. Do you remember the excitement and the power you felt when you came into worship and you sang the songs wholeheartedly? And now it's a struggle for you. You're looking at your watch. You're texting during worship. Where's that passion? But somehow you got discouraged. 
Somehow someone criticized you. Somehow things didn't go your way. Somehow you got let down and you've allowed your love for God to grow cold. God is calling us back. Don't let it grow cold. Come on, church. Amen? Amen. Don't let your passion for God burn out. Now you just attend church out of obligation to family, to the pastor, to the church. You just you help out when it's convenient to you. You, you, you labor in your ministry just because you're just going through the motions and someone needs to do it. Man, I, there, it's something different when someone wants to do it and someone just, because you're, you have to do it. I'm asking that you, you want to do what God's called you to do. You want to serve in your community, at your workplace, in your school, your family. I mean, you, again, you should get up in the mornings. And I know I'm not a real early morning riser. I'm not a yay. couple minutes later after eat, have a cup of coffee. I'm a little more awake. Okay. But you should come to get every day and say, man, God, thank you for another opportunity to serve you. Thank you for another opportunity to be alive. Thank you for another time for my opportunity for my family, my friends, my career, or my school, or whatever I'm doing. What a joy it is. What an opportunity, Lord, it is to go to church today and to, to be with the brothers and sisters. What an opportunity to worship today. What an opportunity to hear the Word of God and then to do something with it. Come on, amen. amen. Do you remember how you once trusted God for all your needs? Do you remember that you just, you just believe that God will work things out and you just kept running their faith race? God is saying to us here, where did your faith go? Where did your first love go? Where, did that, where is that childlike faith that you once had? Where did that mountain-moving faith go? What happened to it? What happened to that wall-crumbling faith that we read about where they marched around the city of Jericho and they, you see now, you're like, well, I doubt God can do that. God can do anything, but we have to believe in Him. Come on, amen? I know it's hard. The second thing is this. So what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about your faith? What are you going to do about what's happening in your life? What are you going to do about the adversity? Let's go back just for a second, back to 1 Samuel chapter 30. In verse 4, it says, So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Then go to verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But verse, uh, the, the land of that is, But David found strength in the Lord. Verse 7. Then David said to Abithar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. Abithar, what a good name, brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Shall I overtake them? The Lord responds, pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. So what are you going to do this morning with your faith? Are you going to let Satan have it? That's the first thing. Will you let Satan have your faith? Are you going to just let him beat you up all the time? Are you just going to let him kick you down? Are you just going to allow him to rob everything that God has given you? There comes a day when you have to stand up against him. You see, here David knew who it was. He, he, they knew it. I mean, they knew who the... In fact, because he says, shall we go after the raiding party? They knew who it was. You can't blame the devil for everything, but there are times when you just need to know that the devil's out to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm not one of those, like, there's a devil at every corner, every bush. No, but sometimes the devil just comes and tries to destroy everything. Now, there's a time because you, you don't pay attention to everything and you're, just, you're neglecting everything, things fall apart. But if you're serving God and you're trying to be passionate like David was there serving the Lord and all of a sudden things are falling apart, things are just amiss a and there's adversity. You've got to say, God, what do I do this? Do I wait through this? They went to the Lord. They inquired of the Lord. 
What do you want us to do? Shall we go take, should we go back after this stuff? And God said, yes, pursue them. You will overtake them. You will recover. So are you going to let the devil rob from you? Are you going to let him laugh at you? Are you going to let him destroy your kids and your relationships? Are you going to allow him to take your nation, the nations of the world? I'm busy, Pastor. I got a job. Don't you understand that? I work for a living. Everyone else in this room works for a living, most of us at least. And some of you are like self-made billionaires, and that's cool. But the rest of us work. The rest of us are busy. You're not the only busy person in this room. Come on, amen? The rest of us are facing adversity. The rest of us are facing struggles and trials. But the question is, are you going to allow the devil to keep allowing you to make excuses and rob your faith? Or are you going to say, you know what, Satan, I'm tired of this. No more. No more stealing from my family. No more stealing from my life. No more stealing from my church. No more stealing from this nation. No more stealing from any nation. Because God has a plan for every nation. Come on, amen? The second part of this, are you going to let it go? Are you just going to let the busyness of life keep you from God? And it breaks my heart. In, in this church, I've seen people that just, they come, they're all excited about God, and then they just, they don't, they don't come back. I see them less and less, and they stop coming, and I try to reach out to them. I try to call them, try to email them. Hey, what's going on? I'm just real busy with life. I'm just real busy right now. And you see, some of you right now, you're on that verge of, you know what, I don't really need to come to church. I don't even know why I come to this church. I don't know why I'm here anymore. Because God loves you. And you need to stay focused on God. You need a church. You need to stay in church. Well, I can get church on TV. Sure, you can get some good teaching. But that TV church is not going to visit you in the hospital. Well, you don't visit me in the hospital. You've got to tell us too when you're in the hospital, by the way. Sometimes the Spirit tells us, but you've got to tell us, I'm in the hospital. Or, I'm in need. Like, like I said, the, the three or four people said, pray for me for a job. Pastor, you never prayed for me. Did you ask me to pray for you? I'm not all-knowing. I do listen to the Spirit. I try to observe your life, but... You need a church. You cannot allow yourself to get out of the attendance of, of the fellowship of the assembly. Come on, amen? Good stuff. You see, are you going to let the temporary things of life keep you from a vibrant faith? Are you going to let your kids run your life? Are you going to let your job run your life? Well, Pastor Stan, I've got to have a job. My kids are important. Yes, they are, but God is more important. If God is not first in your life, then they will be first in your life. And I, I don't have enough time for the sermon, but man, we worship our kids in this culture. We, we will go backwards. We'll go into debt to have our kids to have everything in the world, which is cool sometimes, but when is, when is enough too much? When is not having enough that we just, every, oh, my kids, my kids. And, I mean, again, we're, like, we're so busy. I am. We're busy too, running our kids here and there. We got, we're saving for our kids and all that. Is it robbing your faith? Is it building your faith? Your job, when they keep piling on, Pastor Shane, you don't understand, if I, if, I don't, if I don't do this work and I have to work extra hours, there's sometimes you just got to say no. I have found that good workers work hard and they'll pile more stuff on good workers because you want to get stuff done. And all of a sudden now you're working on Sundays, you're working Saturdays, you're working in the evening, you're working, and you know what? You are not a robot. You can only put in so many hours a week for so long. There comes a time you've got to say, listen, I can't do this all the time. No, someone else has to do this on the weekends. I have to go to church. I have to be with God. I have to be with my family. I have to, I have, to have time for myself sometimes. Come on, amen? Where is your first love? Where is your faith going? Have you let the devil take it? Have you just let it go because... 
the things in life? Is it worth losing your faith for the things in life that are not going to last? Amen? The third thing, struggle in your flesh. What are you going to do about your faith? Are you going to keep struggling in your faith to keep it? You see, I'm going to, if I just pray harder, if I just work harder, if I just serve God harder, then it's going to grow. And effort does help a little bit. But it takes a relationship. You need to listen to God. You need to spend time with God. You see, God, He, he enjoys us when we serve Him, but He really wants to know you more. You see, if I just do more for God, I will, my relationship will, will, will be better. Now, God's first is, He wants you to be with Him first. And then the good stuff will come after, because we're saved by faith, not by works. We're saved by grace in God, not by works. It's the relationship that God wants first. And then in, in the relationship, once you know Him, then good things just come out of your life. You'll want to serve Him. You'll want to work. You'll do it wisely. Come on, church. Amen? Here's just a few phrases of people that are either dormant in their faith or they're trying to, they're trying to fight in their flesh. Hey, uh, I'm struggling to obey to do the Lord's will. And he'll, you know, I, I don't know, I'll just, I'm just struggling. And that, that does happen to us. I'm not, I'm not knocking you down. You know, I have these weaknesses in my flesh and, and, and I, I still give into it. And I'm just trying my hardest and God understands that. And He does understand that, but He can give you victory if you have more time with Him. We all struggle. Come on, Amen. Well, I, I would serve God in that ministry, but the last time I did it, I was criticized by the pastor and what he expected. And since then, I haven't done anything else. I'm sorry if you think I'm criticizing you. I'm just asking questions. How to go? What's going on? How can I help you? How can we make it more fruitful? How can I help you grow? We are so easily offended in this world. Can I just be honest with you? Grow up. Stop being offended when someone asks you a question. Stop being offended when someone holds you accountable for something you say you're going to do. That was extra, by the way. That was free. That wasn't in the notes. So, You know, I, I work in the nursery, but, but no one ever says thank you. No one, the parents never pat me on the back. The parents never bless me. You're blessing those parents. Thank you. By the way, if I don't say thank you enough, I try to thank you. But you see, this is what happens. Well, I just, when you're dormant or you're just like, you're just trying... You need to say, God, I need to connect with you first so that it's a joy to serve you. It's a privilege to serve you. It's a privilege. Come on, amen? Letter D, let me move on. So, what are you going to do to, about your faith? Get it on fire again? The question is, get it on fire again? Are you going to do something about it? See, verse, uh, verse 6 in, in 1 Samuel chapter 30 said this again, David strengthened himself in the Lord. And then I'm going to read this, then 7 and 8, I'll read it to you again. Then David said to Abihithar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. Abihithar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Write down Colossians 2, 6 through 10. I'm not going to read it, but write it down. Write down Colossians 2, 6 through 10. Write that down. Your homework is to study that this week. And look at it, okay? Your faith is up to you. Right? Your faith is up to you. It must be your desire to reclaim your fire again. Pastor Stan can't come to your house every day. I'm I'm laughing. I just think about this. At the first church that we planted, I remember there was this lady who struggled to get up to come to church and she was asking me and the youth pastor, you know, can you guys like, can you call me 
Sunday mornings. In fact, would, would you send someone to knock on my door? And we're like, no. If you're serious about something, you're going to make it happen. If you want your faith on fire again, you're going to do something to make it happen. Pastor, you just said not to put effort. You know, but you're going to make a relationship with God happen again. You're going to spend time with God. You're going to know the promise. You're going to seek. You're going to inquire the Lord, what is going on in my life? Why am I facing these trials? Or, Lord, what should I do about these trials? What am I supposed to do? And the Lord told them, go fight. Fight for them. You see, true faith, of course, is knowing Jesus. It's trusting Him no matter what happens. It's admitting that your strength runs out. Your strength's going to run out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting older now. Can you believe that? I'm 50, and there's times I actually want to take a nap during the day now. So it, it just gets worse, Pastor. Or somebody that gets better. Uh, and I, I mean, like, I'm getting a little older now, because I actually sometimes now, I, I, I'm actually sitting there, like, have the TV on, and I have to sometimes force myself to sit down from the TV, and next thing I wake up 20 minutes later, wow, what happened? <laughs> Where am I? You know, like, Pastor, that's normal. I do that at work, okay? Well, <laughs> maybe that's why you didn't get a pay raise this year. A little extra there for you as well. So it means, it means taking your hurts to Him. Has anyone been hurt in this room before? Just four of you. Yeah. Did you know that everyone in this world is going to get hurt? And you act like, well, I'm the only one. All of us have been hurt and we're going to keep getting hurt. But if you hold on to those things, they're going to destroy your faith. But if you take them to God, say, God, I'm hurting. He will help you. Forgiving. You've got to forgive those who hurt you. You've got to forgive those who failed you. You've got to go to God. Come on, Amen. And again, as I said earlier, this is in the notes, is you can't get easily offended. I am, I'm really, I am so sick of people being offended all the time. I'm offended, I'm offended, I'm offended. You're not godly if you're offended all the time. Think about that. If you're constantly offended, then you're not godly. I mean, there are times to take offense and just say, God, I, I, that bothers me, but I'm going to put it in your hands. Remember Jesus said, you've got to forgive people. The disciples asked him, how many times? Seventy times. Well, I've, I'm, I'm at right there. One more, one more, and I, they're past the limit, Pastor. You've missed what God was saying. Because see, God has forgiven you of a multitude of sins. And God still forgives you. And yes, God can be offended and God will hold us accountable. But, but if you want your faith to grow, you've got to let go of some stuff. You see, faith means strengthening yourself in the Lord. What does that mean? That means, again, you have to have Bible study time. You have to pray. You have to come to church ready, wanting to have God speak to you. Come on, amen? You see, it says here, it says, David found strength in liquor. Isn't that what it says? David found strength in more money. Isn't that what it says right there? David found more strength in more tweets. David found strength in more likes on his Facebook status. David found more strength in people. It's not in there, is it? David found more strength in anointed preaching. Hallelujah! No. David found more strength in complaining. David found more strength in being easily offended. David found more strength in spiritual manifestations. David found more strength in his knowledge. No, David strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, some of those things aren't bad. The anointed preaching. Okay, people. 
the manifestations. But our faith should not be in anointed preaching. Our faith should not be in manifestations. Our, our, our faith should not be in people. Our faith should be in God. You see, because people are going to fail you. Come on, amen? Money's going to run out. Right? Wine just messes your life up if you drink too much of it, right? David found strength in the Lord. And for you to get your faith on fire again is you must have a relationship with God. Do you see what David did? He could have blamed, hey guys, don't, don't kill me. Come on, come on, come on. It was the enemy. What's wrong with you? What did David do? He strengthened himself in the Lord first. Then he went to the Lord and said, God, what am I going to do? What do you want us to do? And of course, it turned because they knew that David had a passion for God. You must be the one that fans your faith into flames. You can't expect other people to live your faith. You have to live your faith. Come on, amen? Parents, helicopter parents, your kids have to learn about Jesus. You've got to teach them, but you have to give them ways. You have to help them relationship. Come on, amen? Now, let me just give you a little... I know some of you are like... Never mind, I'm not going to... I'm just going to move on. I'm running out of time. Do you want your faith fired up? Then go to God. Let me move on now to the end. Number three is... Number three is... What will faith do for you? These are just some simplistic answers I know. It's not a full, exhaustive list. But the first thing is this, is faith in God will bring you life. Faith in God. Putting your faith in God will bring you life. Come on, amen? I am going to read this. 1 Peter 1, 6-9. Please just listen. Do I have it on the notes? Yes, I do. I'm going to read this to you. In this, you greatly rejoice... Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. That's adversities. Verse 7, these have come so that your faith, listen to this, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So you see, some of the trials you have are there to strengthen your faith. Some of it's just the enemy, but whatever it is, you've, sometimes you've got to fight for your faith. You've got to grow in this. You see, one of the greatest things in our lives is our faith in God and our salvation in Him. And you've got to hold on to God. Come on, amen? What will faith do for you? It will bring you real life. What did David do when he was faced with insurmountable odds? He went to his faith in God in your relationships, in your job, in your career, in your sickness, in the stress of life, are you going to God? Your faith should bring you life. Remember Job, that whole thing. His faith in God held him. He had questions. He doubted. He was wondering. He felt sorry for himself. But ultimately, his faith in God rescued him through the trials. You see, if you have faith in God, it doesn't matter how many trials. I know that sounds like a trite statement, but you will go through it if your faith in God is solid. Knowing that your life is founded in God should be strength for you every day. Whether you never have a good hair day from this point on, whether you never get a good parking lot, whether you never have another job from this point on, your faith in God should be the most important thing. And it should not waver because of the lack of stuff or because of stuff. Come on, amen? Letter B. Now, this is what I talked about earlier. Return what was stolen from you. See, sometimes your faith, sometimes you have to fight for what God has given to you. Here it is, 1 Samuel uh, 
chapter 30, verse 8. And, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he said. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Then you go down to verse 18 and 19. First Samuel 30, 18 and 19. Excuse me. David recovered everything. Did you hear that? David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder, or anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. You see, there are some things that are worth fighting for. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your relationships. Fight for your family. Fight for your faith. Fight for the promises of God in your life. If you believe God has blessed you, if you believe God has given you a promise, then you need to fight for it. Don't just let the world take it. Don't let circumstances take it away. And specifically, relationships and faith, you've got to fight for those two things. Come on, amen? If you know that, that your child is called of God and whatever, to be a scientist or a preacher or whatever they're called to do, and you see them going the other way, you need to fight for them in faith. Don't fight them. Fight for them. Do you understand that? You've got to go to God and you've got to bind the devil. You've got to destroy his, his stronghold. You've got to believe that God has called you. If you know God wants your family saved, then you must take them back from the enemy. You must pray for them. If you have a wandering son or daughter or a husband and wife or you have a wandering brother or sister, you've got to get on your face. I remember I, I told you this, my, my middle brother had a very, very successful car business. He had two car lots and then he had an addiction and this addiction destroyed his marriage. And it took him, and in fact, we were, he, he, was, he was addicted to this, this substance, and I'm not going to name it, and he just disappeared. And they said to us, you, you need to be ready, because you might get a phone call some say, someday saying, we found him dead on the road. And I didn't say, well, stupid idiot, he should have known. What a fool. I got on my face before God and said, God, you promised me that he would know you. I prayed, I fasted, we, a bunch of family friends, we called on God, God have mercy. And we didn't know where it was for, for almost a year. We didn't know what He was doing. We didn't give up. We fought for Him. And then He shows up again. I'm in this area. And I said, man, can I call? Can I get you in a church there? Can I get you into a, into a team challenge or something? Can I do something for you? No, just pray. I was like, can I, please. So I fought for Him in prayer. And now... He's not perfect, but now he is serving Jesus. And one of his sons, his children, is preparing for ministry today. Because we fought for him. I want to encourage you, don't give up. God wants you to fight. He wants you to hold on to the promises for your marriage, for your relationship, for that career. You, God put you in that career place and all of a sudden you get knocked down or something happened. And if you knew it was from God, then you need to get on your knees and fight for it. Come on, amen? The, the third thing about what your faith will do for you, you will be a mighty weapon for God. Remember, David was a mighty weapon. David and his armies were, his troops were a, a mighty weapon and it bugged the devil. And see, the devil's going to attack you. But it shouldn't be your strength. And I don't have time again. I apologize. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. Write that down. It says, in my weaknesses, God is strong. David knew when he was weak that he would go to God. In your weakness, you need to go to God. Say, God, you are my strength. And God loves turning us. He loves turning our weaknesses into strengths. He loves it. Remember, David was that 12-year-old, 14-year-old punk, younger brother, uh, 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 and his brothers were out there facing Goliath. Remember that whole thing? God used weakness and humility to defeat a giant. God can use you in your weakness to defeat giants. 
Come on, amen? You've got to believe. So you know what? I'm, I'm tapped. I don't have any more strength. But in my weakness, I am strong in God. And I need to move on. The, the, the fourth thing is, what will, what will this do for your faith? It will please God. You see, sometimes we're all about, well, what does it do for me? What, what about me, me, me? What about God? Does your faith please God? Does your life please God? Do your, do your 